Hi, I'm Addison. And I'm Max. And today we'll be ta- talking about how the U.S. legal system played into abolitionism. After four long, gory years of the Civil War, abolitionists were tired of the gradual process of abolishing slavery. The United States legal system and the smaller ones within states had a big contribution to how fast or how slow emancipation of enslaved people would be. Yeah, and just to give some background on the topic, um, in 1862, like after, after the Civil War, the current president, um, Abraham Lincoln, he gave the Confederacy a deadline or an ultimatum to return this to the Union. Um, with slavery intact, or on January 1st, 1863, he would free all the enslaved people in the Confederate States. Despite that announcement, slaves in the despite the announcement that slaves in the Confederacy were freed, many slaves remain on the plantation because slaveholders slaveholders did not believe Lincoln had jurisdiction over them. This happened especially in northern states or southern states that relied greatly on the work of enslaved people. Um, yeah, and in, in Lincoln's Emancipation Proclamation uh, that was written in the third year of the Civil War, it stated that all persons held as slaves within the rebellious states are and henceforward shall be free. And many enslaved people quickly learned of, the, of Lincoln's pre- preliminary Emancipation Proclamation. All right, so now getting into the discussion. Um, so there were, there were roughly... Um, one of th- one of the effects that came from the abolitionist abolitionism of slavery was that there were roughly five hundred thousand free African Americans lives in eighteen sixty that were really heavily regulated by the criminal justice system. Um, and even after slavery was over, like in slave states. Yeah, in slave states, laws stopped black people from serving as witnesses against white people and stopped them from serving on juries. So even though they were technically freed from enslavement, they still did not have the same freedom as white people. Yeah, and I mean, there was then it wasn't even just um, them not being able to serve as witnesses. It was in the in the prison system, like there were 80 percent of the 300,000 prison inmates in the United States were people of color and prisoners and former convicts like they, they would voice their concerns that racism had influenced their incarceration. Who are some people that um, who are some people that voiced their concerns, Max? Just to name a few, um, Malcolm X, Huey P. Newton, George Jackson, Erica Huggins and Angela Davis. They really were the ones to art- articulate the link between racial inequality and the policing of African-American communities. They were what I believe were modern day abolitionists, and they kind of, um, not they they kind of showed what that meant to be post slavery. Yeah, and Martin Luther King Jr. talked a lot about this, and that his followers disobeyed the lo- disobeyed the laws that practiced segregation. They opposed the laws of moral, ethical, and constitutional grounds. They appealed to the Constitution as justification for their acts and civil disobedience they wanted the same rights and they were going to fight as hard as they could to get those yeah i mean from what i could tell the definition of civil disobedience it was um it's like a public and non-violent political act contrary to law um usually with the aim of bringing about change in the law or policies of the government and there was there was a lot of things that they did to kind of show that they did um i think they, they did some sit-ins during the civil rights movement they would go to places that wouldn't uh, that would practice segregation and wouldn't allow um black like customers like they would go to restaurants and stuff and they would they would sit there and not leave until i mean it was it was more meant to just that's the definition of that's an example of civil disobedience yeah and like the more notable people that took um charge rosa parks bridges even martin luther king jr they were all very notable names when it came to civil disobedience yeah and just um 
yeah, and going back to just after the Civil War, just to give a little bit more um, information about that, I was wondering, because, um, so Vermont ab- abolished slavery in, like, the earliest they were the first um, in 1777. I was wondering just how they did that and who followed them after that. So Vermont um, was able to abolish slavery by modifying their constitution, which inspired other northern states to do so. For example, Massachusetts and and New Hampshire were more individualized when it came to freeing slaves. So instead of a constitutional amendment and freeing all slaves at once, like Vermont, they did it more through individual judicial ruling and acts of release from enslavement. Yeah. Yeah. Many states made a decision about freeing slaves by their age that especially southern states did this, too, because they didn't want to free slaves all at once because it would affect their economy too much. So, for example, you would have to um, be like 25 if you were a female and 28 if you were male to be able to be free from slave Mm -hmm. from enslavement. So, yeah. So it wouldn't affect states economy too much. Yeah, that's yeah, that's interesting. And there was there was like a lot of effects of after abolitionism, like that African Americans had to go through in America. Um, in I mean, between eighteen seventy seven and eighteen ninety two, there were seven hundred and twenty eight documented lynchings, and the people I mean, some people saw the like that as a means of to, of maintaining like white economic political um, and power. social yeah, just maintaining power and just maintaining supremacy. And there was, I mean, and even after that, like, there were neighborhoods in New York and Chicago that were African-American, and they they typically had a high, the highest crime rate, the highest crime rates back then, um, and they were really targeted a lot. And during the late 1960s and 1970s, the argument was that the criminal justice system played a big role in continuing and maintaining social inequality. And, I mean, you may be wondering, this is about, like, abolition of the legal system, but where it's not just about right after slavery it's about how how it the affected f- yeah um, the rest of their lives yeah because yeah because they weren't um they didn't gain complete freedom once slavery was abolished yeah and i mean they still dealt with it they still deal with pe- african-american people deal with it to this day and um just like i mean some closing questions we had was how did the targeting of african-american communities it went it went on. It didn't go unnoticed because it was noticed, but it went unchanged for so long. Yeah. We were just wondering how that was possible. And I feel like now it's being brought up through more protests, especially during in May twenty twenty. Yeah, there was lots of protests for Black the Black Lives Matter movement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was very interested in how the legal system came to treat people of color just so unfairly and so unjustly. And this, a lot of this research that I did, it gave me a better understanding of the history of our legal system and the racial injustice in the United States. It just gave me a great perspective of what really happened and why it needs to change. Yeah.